All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of BS Thoughts with your host, Brian. Unfortunately, my co-host couldn't be here this evening, but we got a special guest for you. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, my name is Josh, and I'm here to talk about some tough topics. All right, so Josh uh, listened to our previous podcast about should you let God in your relationship, and he's here to talk about that with me today. So, Josh, what are your feelings on that previous podcast? Well, I feel like you really do not need God in your relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like it's really all about... uh, with two people or more than two people uh, agree on their similarities, uh, their culture, and uh, you know what you know pretty much the chemistry that brings them together. Okay, no, I can agree that you don't necessarily need it. I even think we said that in the podcast, but I I'm going to play devil's advocate and say that it definitely helps to have it, and you can potentially argue that it helps more to have it than not have God. Because what it does is when you have a foundation rooted in faith, there are values that come out of faith. There are good morals that tend to come out of faith that can help you build and cultivate that relationship with your significant other. Yeah, I understand that. And not to play semantics, but I feel like faith brings ethics, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily morals. Uh, morals are more of a, a personal guidance, a compass that you have that, uh, you know, pretty much. I can feel like, you know, if I'm dating a certain person, my morals are, if we're just dating, I can also date other people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, ethically, which is like more of a cultural thing, mm-hmm. uh, a cultural standard, when you're dating, it, you should be, you know, dating that one person, per se, versus multiple people. So my morals could be, you know, uh, contradicting what uh, society's ethics are, in, in a way. Uh, religion sets a certain certain ethics on people. Mm-hmm. You have to follow a certain code set by uh, a society or culture or what you know, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But you know, I feel like in a relationship, it's uh, the the two people or whoever is in a relationship should have certain morals that that match versus ethics because ethics can be broken. Okay, you know, versus morals are more of a personal uh, compatibility that mm-hmm. two or more people may have. Okay. So you're looking at the terms ethic and morals as your morals are a personal thing that you build on your own. Your mm-hmm. ethics are basically something like ethical guidelines you get from a written doctrine, right? Right. So I know there are going to be some people that are going to ask the question that popped in my head, so I'm going to ask it now. Um, your morals are based upon what you learn, right? In, or what you experience. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, exactly, what you exactly. experience. So, for I know there are going to be some people thinking this. Mm-hmm. When you, faith is an experience in itself. Mm-hmm. It gives you a foundation to stand upon. Your morals can come out of a faith if morals are based upon an experience. I don't think that uh, ethics and morals, are not, they are two separate things. But I think your faith can give you ethical guidelines to work around. But I also think they can give you a moral foundation because... In the Bible itself, Jesus um, is introduced to the world as the son of Jesus Christ, and he had his own set of commandments in which man could follow. And one of those greatest commandments, his greatest commandment was that of love. You know, you, the greatest thing that you can give somebody is love. You do unto others, you have them do unto you. That is a moral principle you can live by, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. So some people would say that isn't, didn't that moral come from faith or the Bible or God in essence? It. <clears throat> can be said that it came from that 
But it also can be said that that's a natural human feeling. Because you also have in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit murder. Right. Okay. My moral standard is, especially if I lack intelligence and common sense. Let's just say I'm born and there is no type of guidance, no Bible, nothing to tell me what to do or how to feel. My morals are going to be if someone, let's say, slaps me in my face, I may feel it's right for me to stab them back in my head. That's like, okay, that's right. I was hurt, so I hurt him, even though I hurt him more and I'm affecting more people around him. It's in my head, morally, that's right because he hit me first. He assaulted me. Ethically, when you have a set of standards that's in the Bible or Quran or whatever religion you may be in, it's saying, no, thou shalt not commit murder because over time, people have realized that murder is more than assault. But it took time for people to develop that, and that's where the ethics come from the Bible. Morally, I might just feel like, oh, I'm hurt. That guy's got to, he got to get hurt back no matter what, how much I may hurt him or what cause that may be. You know, so I feel like there can be uh, similarities to morals and ethics, but mm-hmm. there are a huge contrasts. You know, no, I, I think you, I think you broke it down very well. Like with the the example of, you know, you say caveman, right? Was that what you said? A caveman? So, yeah, just, hey, so, I, yeah, just you know, I, or no, maybe I just not, jumped to yeah, caveman in my that's head. How you think of someone yeah. with no intelligence. So like someone without, yeah. without the which you, I'm gonna use your words, uh, the ethical foundation of like uh, the Bible. Um, morally, they'll like I punch you, you stab him in return, right? Yeah. And you said that the innate. In, in response to my question was love being the ultimate thing that Jesus taught us. Mm-hmm. You said that you feel like you can be born with that. Mm-hmm. I, and I see where you're coming from as far as like the Bible or faith itself do provide guidelines for society in which to interact with each other. You also have laws, but a lot of laws you can argue come from those same guidelines. But I think it's not, but I think I don't necessarily think using that example, human beings being born you can argue. Well, I don't want to say I don't think that someone can. I'm going to just say someone could argue that human beings being born may not necessarily be born with morals. They're being born with the concept of working as a collective. Like if we don't have laws in place, people will run amok. There's a reason why you have the police. You have the police around to keep order because without those police, without police and law being around or fear of consequences of your actions, mm-hmm. people will more than likely try to take advantage of each other. How do we know that we're taking advantage of each other? Well, we had to learn it from somewhere. And one of the best places that we learn it from is through some type of faith foundation where I get that we tend to work to better, work better as a group. Because I'm pretty sure early man, caveman worked together and hunted together as a group. Mm-hmm. But just like you said, whereas like one person slapped him, the other person stabbed him, probably within that group, they were probably like, well, now nah, we can't go around doing that all the time because eventually, what if I do something to upset you? Is your response going to be to stab me? But I think that, <clears throat> one, you make a good point with that. And two, I think that that can better be found maybe in a faith foundation because faith isn't just also about the establishment of morals. It's a connection to a higher being. And that higher being ultimately holds you accountable for your actions because you know that he's always watching you. 
he's always protecting you, but he's always watching you. And therefore, you always have someone holding you accountable. Exactly. Which is sort of a lack of freedom. Ah, I can can see that. Yeah. So you have someone watching you at all times. This uh, entity that's watching you is also judging you. And in your mind, you shouldn't do certain things, even if, if it's okay with your morals. There are certain things in the Bible that you tell yourself you shouldn't do or you'll go to hell. Mm-hmm. Let's say you get married. You've been married, you know, it, it was all love and, and, and candy in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years later down the road, it starts to go stale. Both of you guys are, you know, feeling like, you know, you're not attracted to one another anymore. The steam's gone. And you both have sort of a mutual agreement that, you know, it's pretty much over. But you have the kids, you know, you have the house, you have mm-hmm. the cars. And, you know, if you guys split up, it's going to be turmoil. Well, you're married. You're not supposed to see other people. It's sinful. You go to hell. Mm-hmm. But you guys agree that, hey, it's better to stay married, but I want to do my thing. You should do your thing. And we're like, yeah. That's cool. Well, now, you're both Christians. You go to church. You grow up believing this thing. There's there's, there's there's this wall now. Like, okay, now what to do? Do we go with what we feel is right? Because we both morally feel like, you know, we did our thing. We we had our time. Let's do our, you know, let's, let's live our separate lives and, and be happy. But in, in religion, you know, in, in Christianity specifically, you're not supposed to have, you know, get divorced. So... It's, it's it's this it's this standard that you have to live by that could possibly be negative a negative uh, uh, issue in your life you know when when you when you think about it so I think that was a great analogy I think that happens to a lot of people mm-hmm. you know and I don't judge people for living the lives the way they live as long as it doesn't like impede me or other people right but now once again I'm playing devil's advocate. I take no issue with what you were saying, right? Except there are slight things that that don't quite match up with what you can be taught in faith. Mm-hmm. One, looking at it as God is always watching you and judging you is a corrosive way of looking at the faith or the Bible itself, right? Well, I'm going to just say the faith. Because while God is always watching you, he is not necessarily judging you. He's actually looking out for your best interest. But another big part of the Christian faith is that if you look at the Old Testament, the Israelites, the Hebrews, they failed God almost every chance they could get. But if you look at the trend of the Old Testament, one of the biggest uh, components of the Old Testament is God's forgiveness of his people. So while God is watching you, he's not necessarily judging you. He is forgiving you because I am one of those people who take the stance that the Ten Commandments were given to people not as like you must live by these things. No, it's that what you would call ethical guideline, whereas the commandments don't tell, they tell you to not do things. Human beings are incapable of living that lifestyle. What it does is it makes you conscious of being, of knowing when you're committing a sin. The Ten commandments make you a conscious sinner. So I don't think that God is necessarily watching you to judge you, to send you to hell. He's watching you to, to help guide you because you, he gave you free will. You can choose the path you want to go, but as like a father watches their child or as a mother watches their child, they want to keep an eye on you to make sure you're doing the right thing. Whether you do the wrong thing, will God be there to do corrective punishment? Yes. That punishment 
is to course correct you back to your purpose if you choose to adhere to it or to mold you to be a better person. Because if your child does something wrong and you tell him to stop, but you don't give him a punishment or a way of trying to change his behavior, he's going to repeat that behavior. Now, going back to what I said about the Ten Commandments making you a conscious center type thing. There are instances and circumstances in the Bible where you can divorce It's written out. I don't know them all in the top of my head. I can't even debate it right now, but I do know they're in there. But the thing is, it's more so about that conscious center thing. Those two people came to the conclusion on their own that their marriage is falling apart. But for the integrity of their family, they decide to stay together. Some will argue that's a bad thing. Some can argue that's a good thing. I would just say it's a thing. If you can work it out and y'all not negatively influencing the kids, I say have at it. But the thing is, kids know more than what you think they are. And that's another thing. Uh The Bible sets standards of what's good, what's Mm -hmm. bad, what's right and wrong. Right. Society sets standards of what's good and bad, what's right and wrong. Exactly. And the reason I say the Bible is because that's, you know, what what, what we were just talking about. But like you said, it's it's society. Mm -hmm. But to be real with you, there's no such thing as right and wrong, good and bad. I beg, I disagree. I think that I think that within the confines of I'm, I'm going to switch topics for a quick second. Mm-hmm. I disagree um, in the respect. But where I will agree with you is this. When it comes to the law, like the law that the criminal justice system creates, right and wrong is subjective to the times mm-hmm. because there are people right now with felony marijuana charges yeah. that shouldn't have them in the modern day because it's legal in many states. So I agree with you when it comes to the law, but I do think there are universal right and wrongs. Are they? Are we all going to always have a subjective opinion of what's right and wrong? Mm-hmm. Of course we are. It's all about perception. It is. That's all it is. It's going to come down to perception because um, in the Christian Bible, it talks about owning slaves. I believe in the Quran, it does not. They don't adhere to it, which now if anybody's listening and wants to correct me, please send an email. But I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, in the Quran, they do not believe in that, that concept. But in the Christian Bible, they do. They talk about it. The thing about that is, which do you think is right or wrong is going to be subjective to you. Clearly, as black men, well, we know all too well, although we didn't experience it, but history has shown that that is definitely an immoral thing when it's taken to a dehumanization thing. Because a lot of people like to argue that, well, slavery has been around forever in all cultures. Yeah, American slavery is a lot different. It's unique. That's why it's studied all the time. So that, that's my point. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really all about perception. That's where right wrong right. comes from. Now, you can have a society that agrees mm-hmm. on a certain perception that's right and wrong, and it might even come up to a certain set of rules, maybe mm-hmm. even the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. But right and wrong is just a man-made thing. There's no such thing. I mean, there's slavery going on, going on in Libya right there now. Is. There's definitely slavery you know, going on in Libya right now. It's not the Europeans doing it. It is not. You know? so I, it's, I believe, it's, is, it the, is it the Arabic group that's doing it? I think so. It um, looks like I don't want to be. I, I don't want to, yeah. I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, so, go right ahead. You know, I mean, and, I mean even, we can even take you know animals into context. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we knock down forests. We mm-hmm. knock down all types of wildlife to, you know, build our own cities and and, and roads, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, we could sit there and say, you know, it's, it's right for us to, you know, use the land that God gave us to, mm-hmm. you know, grow and, you know, cultivate and, you know, uh, live, live a glorious life. But at the end of the day, what about the animals that mm-hmm. are dying and uh, being moved out and, mm-hmm. you know, this, that, and the third? And there's, there's plenty of examples of, you know, right and wrong perceptions of how one feels about this. You step on a group of ants when you're walking, you don't think about it. 
what about those ants? No, I got you. Know what I'm saying? We, I agree with you. you. you know, We're definitely in agreement that it is yeah. perception, but yeah, so I, I personally I mean. think that. So that goes when I go, why I say that to say going back to relationships, mm-hmm. that that's that's what, you know, the the Bible, one of the things it's good for is setting a certain uh, standards for people, but it can also, you know, um, in a way. Cripple people. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they yeah. people have weaponized the Bible mm-hmm. against people throughout right. history. I mm-hmm. I definitely agree with you. Yeah. I think that um, for one, I I think that there are universal right and wrongs. One is like I have a right to live. I, I don't think that you going through whatever you going through should impede my right to live unless I'm about to kill or cause harm or uh, I, loss of eyesight to another person. Mm-hmm. But going to that relationship thing. Um, the bot there you have some people who aren't I'm gonna just say me. I don't take everything in the Bible literally. The Bible to me is a book of parables and some form of history being written, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also about my how to build a connection with your fellow man and a connection to God through an adherence of religious traditions. It builds you spiritually, right? Mm-hmm. Like for instance, you don't have to take everything in the Bible literal. You don't even have to take the Ten Commandments literal. So within the context of that relationship scenario you created where um, it is a sin to commit adultery. Well, yes, it, it is a sin to ultimately covet another man's wife to go out when you when you pledge a vow to commit yourself to another person in front of um, God and a group of people in the room to sneak out and go and do that is a sin. That's what the Bible says. But the thing is, you don't have to interpret it that way if you choose not to. I personally, while I think I, I know that in the Bible, that is a sin. I may even agree with the Bible that that is a sin. But as a man, I recognize that there's nuances to things. It ain't always as black and white as 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 words will say. Because I think that was a good scenario you gave where it's like, they know it's not working out, but they want to stay together for the integrity of the family. So they choose to go pursue other people and they're perfectly fine with it. Are they living in sin according to the Bible? Of course they are. But are they doing the wrong thing in society's eyes? It just depends on how deep into the Bible you go. Right. So I think that is just nothing more than how you look at it. You can be literal with it or you cannot because people who are out here to quick to say homosexuality is a horrible sin, but yet they'll eat shellfish. Or like you're not supposed to. Like I don't. People sometimes take things very literal. Yes, yeah, so this is, this is the bottom dwellers. You're not, you're not supposed to eat that. You're not exactly. Eat pig, mm-hmm. Certain things, and, and, and it's really like the Bible was educating you mm-hmm. on history. Like like someone found out that this is the dirtiest animal. Mm-hmm. This is the you know most uh, non nutritious animals. Don't eat it. You know it it's, it, it has no nutritional value. But you know they put it in the Bible as a way of saying. Thou shall not do this, you know. Mm-hmm. And people are saying, "Ah, uh, it tastes good. I'm gonna do it." But they're saying, "Thou shall not," for a certain reason that people really don't know. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's in the Bible, and, that, and that's another point. Like, I'm not religious. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in Christianity, Islam, anything. Mm-hmm. I believe that there is uh, an entity out there um, that's greater than anyone can understand. I believe uh, if you um, meditate or um, and in some ways, pray you will get to that entity and 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 find a certain spirituality that comforts you and and uh, gives you understanding on just life. Period. Mm-hmm. And but I, I feel like uh, uh, oh no. So my point is, religion I feel like is a medium for people who don't necessarily know how to censor themselves 
uh, and find that spirituality and comfort in, them, in their lives. I feel like religion is can be a good thing. You know, it it it, it centers people. It, it it takes people to a certain place of understanding, um, uh, empathy, um, and, and knowledge. You know, the Bible has a lot of history. It has a lot of parables. It has a lot of myths. Mm-hmm. Um, book of Psalms, the Book of Wisdom. In exactly, my opinion, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I feel like it's made off of mythology, astronomy, and uh, um, uh, history. Mm-hmm. You know, but at the end of the day, I don't feel like it's something that you need in life to uh, be fulfilled. I feel like it is a good medium for some people. You know, uh, but. To say you're going to go to hell if mm-hmm. you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I feel like that's just nonsense. I agree. You shouldn't yeah. be condemning nobody. <laughs> you know, like, like who am I to condemn you to yeah, hell? Yeah. Whether you believe in Jesus is on you. Right. At the end of the day, when we finish this race, we yeah. will find the truth. Yeah. Now, I, 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 you said that you don't believe in Christianity. Um, uh, Judaism and the Islamic faith you simply believe it as an entity you, if you meditate and center yourself I'm actually glad you said that religion is the medium to do it I was going to say that yeah you religion teaches you a way to build your spirituality in this podcast we've talked about spirituality is your individual connectedness to your higher being religion is the the doctrine and traditional way in which to show your your respect or your acknowledgement of that being and Religion in itself serves that purpose. It teaches you. The Bible teaches you how to pray. I'm assuming the Quran and the Torah teaches you how to pray. You have to learn it from somewhere in order to do it. Do you get it on your own? Some people can argue maybe, maybe not. Because black people have always been a spiritual people. We've always been a people that acknowledge something greater moving in the world than greater than ourselves. But the Bible kind of streamlines all of that to where you have the method of doing it. You have the procedure of doing it. You have the tale and the legacy of how this faith came about. Now, granted, some scholars out there have clearly pointed out there are some historical inaccuracies in it. But yet and still, there is a lot of wisdom in the Bible, like you said. So do you need the Bible to live a fulfilled life? There's somebody listening right now to be like, no, I don't. There are atheists out there that think they live a fulfilled life. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Just to make the podcast interesting and say, oh, I think you do need faith of some sort to live a fulfilled life. Because if you there is there has to be something greater than this life. Otherwise, if you do not believe that you're living in a constrained space of time, you right now, Josh, are the only Josh that will ever exist. There is no after this. You were born, you will be here for this generation, your time period, and then you're done. Therefore, you can't fully fulfill who you are in certain cases. You may want to be a millionaire. You may want to be an athlete. You may want to be a lot of things. But because you live in this space of time, you live in this particular culture, you live in a set of rules that constrict you to ending up going whatever best options available to you. What faith does for that is it provides you hope. A means of that meditation you referring to and a belief system that I can get somewhere. I can achieve what my purpose is as long as I recognize that my Lord is carrying me there and that this life will not be the end. This life is only the beginning of something that could potentially be greater, that there is a better being out there that I have. a I have a vision for myself, but he has something better. So someone could argue that, no, you're not living a fulfilled life without faith. I think uh, 
you have different uh, <clears throat> atheists who believe different things. Uh, mm-hmm. Your your example, um, they may be some people out there who believe uh, they just go blank mm-hmm. at the end of life, and there is nothing like it's just blank. Mm-hmm. I don't have no memories, and that's it. Um, and I believe there are a lot of people who just don't know. It's mm-hmm. like okay. I don't believe in heaven. I don't believe in hell. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like myself, I believe I don't know. And that's a comfort for me because it's more than me trying to convince myself and something I know, my some, something myself I know. If you have faith, then have faith. Right. But something I know is a lie. I can't, it, I don't have comfort in trying to convince myself of that and going to church every Sunday and reading the scripture, trying to convince myself of something that I've just already educated myself on that mm-hmm. it just doesn't add up to me. My comfort comes in as saying, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen. I could be uh, reincarnated. I, I could, it could be something like uh, in a movie where dreams may come where mm-hmm. you live some type of afterlife uh, that, uh, you know, kind of uh, falls in line of in the way you live. You know, if you lived a bad life or you know a life in turmoil, that's how your afterlife is going to be. You're going to kind of suffer. Not some, not necessarily fire, but something on your your your, your mental structure that's going to, going to be very you know painful for you to endure. If you lived a happy, gracious life, you gave. I don't know. I don't know what the the lines or the terms are mm-hmm. to live these type of lives. But I feel like if you live basically in my mind, a morally righteous life, mm-hmm. you know, and it falls in the, the guidelines of, like I said, not a religion, but whatever the spirituality or this entity may be that, you know, makes the world go round and makes, you know, the universe boom. I feel like that afterlife is going to be good. So, like I said, I don't know, but my belief, mm-hmm. which is not, in, you know, it doesn't fall in line with any religion, but my belief that this afterlife Really, just falls in line of uh, falls in line of the way you live. That gives me comfort versus trying to put myself in a certain group and put that wall up between me and the, ne- the next man because we believe in different afterlives and we believe uh, in different ethical ways of living mm-hmm. versus the way we both feel. You know, I might see my Muslim coworker and we might say, "Hey, man, let's hit the strip club after work," but you know, mm-hmm. he's a married man. He's Muslim. He, he's supposed to go home. Right. I'm a Christian man. I'm a, I'm yeah. I mean, I'm Christian. I'm married. I need to go home. You know, but like, but what a hit the quit to us. It ain't nothing wrong with it. You spend a couple right. of dollars, go home to our wives. Cool thing. But ethically, it's wrong. Morally, we feel like it's cool. I don't know how that falls in uh, the way of the afterlife if we both die on the way home, mm-hmm. and I don't know we we go to hell or I don't know the Islamic faith. I, I don't know if they believe in it or whatever. But once again. I just feel like, you know, me just living that morally righteous life and going, following my road and and, and, and what leads me to a, a more spiritually comforting place, that's that's what I have to stick with. All right. So you're saying that not knowing whether it is going to be afterlife or not gives a sense of like freedom. It sounds mm-hmm. like you're saying. And comfort. Yes. Freedom and comfort. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm not going to sit here and do the semantics thing of Googling what the definition of moral ethics is. I'm going to use the one that you that that you're using so that way we have the same thing or the same understanding. Uh, your example of um, 
morally going to the strip club as opposed to going home and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I guess that is another good example. I don't want to sit here and argue like, well, how do you know his? Well, actually, morals are using your definition seem to be subjective, right? Mm-hmm. It would be subjective. You were. It sounded like the person that wanted to go to the strip club was assuming that morally he want the 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 Christian or the Muslim want to go to strip club with you. They may morally think that that's bad, not even based upon religion. They mm-hmm. may just think that financially it's a moral it's a moral bad thing. Because mm-hmm. why am I giving money to a, a woman that I can't sleep with? So I think that morals tend to get a little mm-hmm. subjective. I think that religion provides morals, as you would call them, guidelines. I think your morals that you develop are based upon the knowledge you gain. I don't necessarily think that people inherit... um, Let me be careful how I phrase this, because I do think that human beings are born with a great capacity to be good and bad, or good and evil. But I think a lot of the morals that we have are based upon our interaction with our culture and our society. you got to learn them from somewhere. The original man probably learned that from work. Yeah, experience with the experience with the situation or experience with your society. Early man had to learn in your scenario, you hit me, I stab you, that this isn't going to work. So mm-hmm. collectively, they had to develop that moral as a group mm-hmm. from that experience. I think that your morals are based upon your experience. I think that a big contributor to the morals are they tend, they tend to come from faith because you said faith can be a divider. And historically, it has like heck, the Crusades. Uh, they went around killing everybody. The the Salem witch hunts, or when um, uh, there's the Islamic faith and the Christian faith have collided numerous, numerous times. But faith can also bring people together as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't think one religion is better than the other. I don't. I think that honestly, I think that of the three main religions, uh, Judaism, um, uh, Islamic faith and Christianity, I think they have a kinship. They all reference each other in each other's book. Mm-hmm. I think that God introduced himself to, in three different ways to those three people. But I think that inherently each faith is good. I think that they have a inherent message of fellowship. Fellowship with your fellow man and a connection to God. So I don't necessarily view them as fully as dividers. I think what happened along the way is that if I, <laughs> if I give you a book a book that tells you how to do something, you're going to interpret it and tweak it to your situation. So whereas like this book taught does have a little bit of violence in it or a lot of violence in it, you may focus hyper focus on that as opposed to the moral message of the book, right? Or the sole purpose of the book. I think that what happens a long time with faith is that people interpret, people in power interpret it and misuse it. Council of Nazia. The Council of Nicaea, exactly. They got together to, in Constantinople and tried to streamline all the religions into one cohesive one. Yeah. But I was even thinking much further, well, not further than that, but I was thinking in different terms of you. there's an inherent message in, in faith, which is to me that I pick up when I read is that I got to treat you a certain type of way. You got to treat me a certain type of way in order. And we have to both acknowledge that God exists. It keeps us living in harmony, living in harmony in a healthy society. However, people have gotten a hold of this, people of influence, whoever they are throughout the timeline, and have warped and twisted it to their benefit. And I don't need to tell you that as another black man that we've seen in any American culture. They took Christianity and weaponized it against slaves. 
They Absolutely. even had their own version of the Bible after the Nat Turner Revolution, to where they took out all the things about freedom and things like Our that. Nietzsche's were doing it way before that. I, I did not know that. You just told me something new. Yeah, I did not know that. But yeah, I, I think morals can come very come very well from faith based uh, beliefs. But I don't see nothing necessarily wrong with what you're saying as far as like human beings can develop their own because people do. Yes. Uh... I believe that, yeah, like you said, faith can be a good thing um, if used correctly, if, if used to guide people to a spiritual uh, understanding. Uh, the the sad thing about, you know, humanity is that we usually end up using everything for its uh, the worst capabilities, right. whether, whether it be weapons or uh Religion, mm-hmm. um, power, money—it um, it just we use it, you know, in its worst capacity. Um, there's a, a story I think it's called the Grand—not uh, a story, but a poem called the Grand Conquistador. Um, it was uh, in a book called The Brothers Karamazov, and it basically talks about uh, during the Crusades there was a mm-hmm. conquistador who uh, found Jesus. The, the second coming of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was there. He was there healing people. He was there uh, uh, making miracles. And the conquistador locked him up. And he had a conversation with Jesus saying, you know, you denied all the things uh, your father had given you. You know, he, he tempted you in the, the desert and you denied all, all of the gifts and treasures. You know, he, he gave you this and you denied it. You decided to die on the cross like a fool well now you're back for what I have the power now I have your word the people follow me I am the grand conquistador who are you why do we need you and he was basically telling Jesus that we don't need this spirituality that you you know enlightened us with in the past um, Jesus wasn't Christian no he wasn't you know he was a Jew. yeah he was exactly Jew. you know um, Jesus just gave us a message we made Christianity, you know, uh, the conquistador was saying, uh, well, oh, it's the inquisitor, the grand inquisitor. Okay. I might, I might've got it right. But yeah, he was basically saying, you know, we don't need you anymore. We, we took over, uh, humans, us, we're, we're, we're the powerful now, Mm -hmm. you know, the Pope, the bishops, they, they, they come to us to beg for forgiveness. For, for, from God, you know, they don't even pray. They come to us and, and tell us their sins and you know all of the dirt they did. We're their gods now. What do we need you for anymore? Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much to me the majority of you know the human m- mindset, which is you know you you take something and you do evil with it, you know. So that's one example of you know religion being you know used as something that's bad. In a way. Now, some can say, okay, well, if humans, you know, use everything for the worst, then don't we need something to, you know, make humans, you know, keep humans in mind? Uh, Do we actually have these morals and, you know, that we're born with? And Mm -hmm. I would say, yes, you know, um, without these uh, religions for these people to take hold of certain ethics and keep us in power, there would be individual morals going around by humans in a collective mindset saying, why are we listening to this man? Why are we telling him our sins, you know, this, 
I don't know when you're supposed to do it, but why are we going to this little closet telling them our sins and, you know, asking for his forgiveness from God? Man, forget that. Nah, he, he doesn't have any power over me. So, you know, that shows like a sort of rebellion from this man who's, you know, taking the power that should be used for good and could be used for good for great evil. So yeah, that's Catholicism as far as like yeah, that, confessing that your sins to um right. and that's what sounds like a very interesting it's a book or a movie. Uh that they, they made a movie of the brothers Karamzov, but it's it's a book. I'm about to see if I can look into it. But so yeah, religion has been weaponized, but the underall the underlying message, which is what I was referring to earlier, was like regardless of how much you weaponize faith, I believe the overall message of it can never be used for evil to an extreme extent, right? Mm -hmm. Because Christianity in itself is a message of forgiveness, regardless of whether it was weaponized against African-Americans. It is a a religion of so many wonderful things, a belief in a higher being, a connection to God, forgiving your fellow man, how to live in relationships with your fellow man, how to build a relationship within your household, how to take care of your community, how to learn how to forgive. So I think that while it can be weaponized and it has been weaponized, I think that the message of faith, of any faith for that matter, can never be stopped fully. It can be used against people, but eventually people will rise up and recognize that this isn't right. That's how you have a Nat Turner, in essence. Mm -hmm. He was taught to read the Bible. He recognized that there was a disconnect between what he was preaching and reading and what was happening to his people. And he overall decided to do something about it. So I think that you can weaponize a faith, but you cannot necessarily take away the overall message of hope and power in it. Right. That's that's a good example. But hypothetically, let's say Matt Turner got his hands on the book, The Art of War. The Art of War. Do you think he would have made a similar rebellion and might have even been a little better organized? I'm going to say because this is a hypothetical and it's difficult. No, I'm actually going to say no. I'm okay. saying no, he wouldn't have, because okay. for the sheer fact that in order for him, slavery in itself was a psychological process right. of dehumanization and torture. Mm-hmm. For him to gather the strength that he needed to mentally break those chains stemmed from his full or his full to his capacity understanding of his faith. So you, you're saying that uh, he found his medium to God through Christianity, which gave him the strength to rebel. Correct. That's okay. exactly what I would say, okay. because he himself now he was allowed to read the Bible on his own. He was allowed to interpret the Bible on his own because he learned he knew how to read. Therefore, they used him to preach the word to other slaves as a way of kind of like, hey, it's it's in propaganda. Right. It depends on the message and the messenger. That's how you get propaganda to spread. It's best to have someone that looks like you to give you a message that you have a good relationship with. than the person is whipping you. Right. So. He was allowed to interpret it and pass that message on. Therefore, he was getting an unfiltered version, whereas other slaves at the time were probably getting a filtered one from a white pastor or mm-hmm. a white preacher. And mm-hmm. if anyone knows more about it during those time frames, please email the podcast and correct me and I'll come on here and I'll annotate that correction. But to my understanding, most slaves are being taught by white preachers, okay. Nat Turner wasn't necessarily being taught. preacher sure had to be taught how to read, but he got to interpret it on his own. His unfiltered interpretation of the faith, just through his sheer reading of it, gave him, in my personal opinion, 
gave him the strength to recognize that he needed to do something to help his people and to help this situation. Okay. So that's I don't have to agree to disagree. That's I, fine. I, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, the Bible definitely may have motivated him to rebel mm-hmm. against his masters and to, <clears throat> you know, either die a free man or, you know, uh, uh, what is it, die free man, or he'd rather die free man than live a slave. I would know? rather die on my feet than live on my knees. Yeah, exactly. I think the art of war would have convinced him to retreat and flee. Because mm-hmm. if you, he wouldn't have had as a slave, as Nat Turner as a slave. He, if he would have read the art of war, I think he would have recognized that he was in no way, position or situation mm-hmm. to anywhere complete a successful rebellion, a revolt. Yes, mm-hmm. but to win a long term war, I don't think. He necess- I think he would have probably recognized that I don't have everything I need. And right. to acquire the things I need is going to require a lot of resources. So just been better have. prepared. He would he not might, have. He might have like he, he might have taken a different route. Right. It right. I would say that in history. Yeah. Correct. It, it, it I never would have been a rebellion. It might have just been like a secret. It could have been an underground. Yeah, it could have been yeah, another version of the exactly. underground tunnel. It right. could have been. I'll, I'll give you that. It could have been a better, a different version of the underground tunnel. But I think that connection to God, that faith, gave him the strength. To take on a tough task, because when you look at the Bible, um, that the Bible is a book. Christianity is a faith of suffering mm-hmm. on the cover of the Bible is the cross. The cross is a symbol of suffering. That's not me. I got that from T.D. Jakes. Okay. His new book, Crushing, is actually really good. It is a a, a faith of 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 suffering, but that suffering serves a purpose. Mm -hmm. You suffer, you get crushed, you get pruned, you get torn apart to become molded to the better you. Absolutely. I I definitely agree that you have to suffer. You have to to suffer. So I, not to harp on it too long, but I think that if he would have read any other book other than the Bible, Mm -hmm. my personal opinion, I don't think he would have even initiated a revolt at all or even attempted a rebellion. Because if you'd have read all the war, he probably would have saw that I can win one battle, a long term war, I probably wouldn't win. Man, we ain't got to agree on everything because I've been playing devil's advocate. I think that you bring up a lot of good points. It's just that I wanted to get your perception of things and meet you where you are and just trying to understand where you're coming from. Because I personally think that where you where you look at as an ethics and morals, I personally look at it as the exact same thing. Okay. Whereas like ethics are guidelines that teach you your left and right limit of how to operate within a certain environment, right? Okay. Your morals are values based upon an experience with your society. I think your faith is an aspect of your society, of your culture. Your morals come from your faith. You don't necessarily have to interact with faith to develop morals. No, I agree with you on that. You can interact with your society to develop your morals. But I would say this to you. Your values, your morals that you get probably came from you interacting with people in your society. The majority say, yeah, the majority yeah. of those people in that society probably got their morals from their faith of some sort. Another example of not needing faith to really have morals is... Let's use Aesop's fables. Okay, Aesop's okay. fables. Go ahead. I, 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 Educate me. Yeah, Educate I, me and everybody I, yeah. that's listening. I mean, I'm, Aesop's I'm, I'm, fables. I'm just saying, you know, I was never, let's say I was never introduced to any type of religion. You never you were. You know, as I grew up, my parents said, hey, it's Aesop's fables. Mm-hmm. It's, it's basic, basically a book of fables, mm-hmm. you know, um, kind of similar to the parables in the Bible, except fables use, don't use uh, humans, okay. use animals and you know, all types of inanimate object, okay. objects. Okay. Um, I, I grew up reading Aesop's Fables. Oh, okay. Uh, the, 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 what is it? The turtle and the hare, mm-hmm. you know, or uh, I don't know, the lion and the mouse, you know. It, it's, 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 there, there are multiple stories 
about ethical uh, situations that you know one may be in and how you should act. And there's normally a moral at the end of there's always a moral at the end in of the each story, story right. to, to, to say, and this is how one should go about this mm-hmm. in this certain situation. Mm-hmm. And it's all about really patience, uh, justice, being fair, you know, mm-hmm. uh, love, you know, um, hard work. You know, mm-hmm. the, once again, these are morals that you can develop. You know, I mean, according to your rules, these are morals that you can develop mm-hmm. without faith. You're, re- you're really just reading fables, you are. which are fake stories right. and with, with things in certain situations mm-hmm. that can guide you to a, a moral and ethical life. And my rebuttal to that would be, who is the author? Uh, the author is Aesop. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Aesop Fables. Yeah, I've never heard of Aesop Fables. The name sounds familiar. <laughs> so, so yeah, like my my rebuttal up. would be like I would say that. So if you took those and he's conveying a message of morals, where did he get his from? Because if it's a book, it was written by somebody, and it's his interpretation of morals. So he can either be an atheist who got his morals from interaction, oh, he, okay, or he was a Christian, or he or he had some faith of his own. Say uh, the Greek historian Herodotus mentioned in passing that Aesop the fable writer mm-hmm. was a slave who lived in ancient Greece during the 5th century BC. So did he believe in the, the Greek mythology at the time? Like, Did he believe in Zeus? Did he believe in Ares? Did he believe in Athena and all that? That's what some he did. Because yeah, if he did, then he got his from his faith. Okay. Yeah, he would have got his from his belief in the Greek pantheon, the Greek gods. Now, I don't know if he believed in them. I'm just assuming. Which were pagan gods. They were pagan gods. Right. Yet and still, he got his morals, if he believed in them, from his faith. But, once again, when you... Pagan is the simple belief that you don't believe in what the the the, the majority of the world believes in. That I'm a pagan. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Right. I have no God, but at the time, you know, the, like you know, right? But at the time, see, so you that, see what I'm saying? Like, I got you. There's, there, uh, but there's there two different ways of looking at that. They we're when you say they were pagans, meaning yes. that they didn't believe in the traditional one divine being. They right. believed in a pantheon of gods. Right. So while they may be considered pagans to the modern day man, they had a faith based system. Though they were not without a faith based system, they believed in Zeus. They believed his wife was Hera. They believed they had multiple children, uh, Athena, Ares, Apollo, and the famous one of Hercules. And and Achilles was not a a Greek god. He's a a man. But the thing is, the thing is that he had a faith-based system that he adhered to. So even then, he technically, if, if Aesop believed in the Greek faith or believed in even one Greek deity, he got those fables from probably his faith. I don't know for sure. I can't hey, say. Don't. Yeah, yeah we, I can't say. say yeah. I think that's a good example as well. But when when you, re- I immediately jump to, well, who's the author? Because if it's from a book, it had to come from somebody, and his faith had his morals had to come from something, probably, maybe his faith, because the, major- the majority of the Greek gods come from Kemet anyway, so it, it really doesn't matter. And if the majority of the Greek gods come from Kemet. Which were the Egyptians? The Egyptians mm-hmm. were a collective, collectivist people that lived in harmony. That definitely worship gods. Egyptians were extremely faith based. Matter of fact, the pyramids and that. I have to uh, disagree. There was oh, not a religion in Egypt. There, they had they had faith. They had, but faith. it was not a religion. They built the pyramids to honor their gods. That is, you can 
Google that actually. Right. The the concept of math, philosophy, and science were all ways to worship their gods. Right. And their and, gods were basically the sun and astrology. But yet and still, it Which is, is science. It's actually still faith based. It's not me. You could you today as the modern man know that the sun is just an abstract celestial body. For them at the time, and I don't even know if they were worshiping them, but I'm using your your context here. For them, it was a spiritual divine being. They created multitudes of things that we use today to recognize and acknowledge their divine being. Whether their divine being was right or wrong, they did it off of faith. But this, okay, so let's say this. Go right ahead. The Egyptians. The Egyptians. Worshipped. The sun. They worship yeah, rock. Okay, you, you, yeah. So you mm-hmm. have your, you have your, your, your priests in in Egypt. Mm-hmm. You have your upper class. You have your middle class. Mm-hmm. And you have your, I guess, slave, mm-hmm. slave class. I don't mm-hmm. know what to call. I don't, I don't know my deep history on that. I got you. But you have the priests and the, and the the sciences. Mm-hmm. They, in my opinion, they they realized that the sun was the most important thing on earth. It it is what mm-hmm. rock. For for the planet Earth, right for okay. the planet. Earth. Right. <clears throat> you know, it it, it 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 that you needed it for the crops, mm-hmm. you needed it for for warmth, you needed it to live. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was raw. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's what they worshipped. Right. You know, the sun. Now they put it into a story because stories are easy to remember. Mm-hmm. Stories are easy to follow. But once again, Egypt didn't have a religion. They, 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 but they, they did. The Greek goddess Athena was based upon one of the Egyptian goddesses. That's been proven. The, in the, yeah. Greece, the Greeks made it into a religion. No, no, that's not what I'm... No, literally, Athena uh-huh. was a derivative of an Egyptian goddess. Right. There was the, a belief that, just like my belief that, uh-huh. you know, afterlife, I'm, I may be, I'm judged by my moral compass. Their belief... Mm-hmm. Once again, I don't, I'm not a religion. I got their, belief their belief was, like you said, Athena, right? It's not a religion, though. Mm-hmm. When, so so the Egyptians didn't, once again, they, they didn't have a religion. The, and my point is, their beliefs were based on science. The The high priests knew this science. The The lower class didn't. So it was, it was so they had this belief. The lower class had. This I don't belief. think that's the accurate. I don't think you're 100 percent correct. Egyptians had a religious system of deities. That's not made up. The pyramids in Egypt were created to worship their gods. So my, that is the sole purpose of the pyramid. My point is, you you can name your religion. Right. You can name the next man's religion. Right. You cannot name the Egyptians' religion. And and the religion the, the names of religions work I mean please look it up for I, me. If I you mean, can, yeah, I, I, email for me. I got but you, you, but if you can find the name of the Egyptians religion. So you're it, saying like Anubis among Ra and all of the, uh, the gods set, they're they're not they weren't yeah. Egyptian gods. I'm asking, I'm I don't know Yeah, they were Egyptian gods, but so that were, that is a religion. No, well a religion is uh that a was, group of people that who was their religion. Rituals, right? Yes, the Egyptians had a set of rituals to worship their gods. That is a religion. You're, th- I, I think you're thinking in modern terms, right? Like the Greek pantheon was for the Greeks at the time who believed in Zeus. That was their religion. The same as the Egyptians, the Egyptian pantheon. They worshiped their gods. That was their religion. 
the Egyptian faith of worshiping the sun god, recognizing that Anubis was the, the purveyor of de- the god of death, that they worshiped them. That was their faith. Because your gods, in order to have gods or a god, requires a faith, to right. my to my understanding. A system so, of... So therefore, the Egyptians had a system of spirituality and religion to follow. That's why you had sacrificial chambers in, tem- in, in pyramids. You had you had sac- you actually had altars to sacrifice in Egypt. They're sacrificing. If you're sacrificing, you're sacrificing to a deity. That is a religious practice. So Egyptians had a faith. The Greeks came and copied that faith, according to many historians. And the Egyptians created their great designs, their pyramids and their sphinx. And one of the biggest reasons they did those things and were able to do those things because they wanted to find the best way to show respect and worship for their deities. So I, 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 we can look it up, but I'm pretty well, sure that they had their see, own the faith. The reason I'm quiet is because we don't know 100. percent we, we don't know 100. percent right. And now we get into I'm fairly we, confident. We get into the realm of okay, who did the Egyptians actually worship? You know, because if we start getting that deep, then well, let's Google it. The listeners would be okay. You, you you may get back down to the the, the Sumerians. You may you it may take you to the Sumerians, but which may take you to to order. But actually, I'm glad you said that. To work in order to worship something would mean that you have a faith in something. Even if you worship well, faith, the, well, faith is something that you can't see or touch. Correct, but you believe is real. There you and go. That's why I got I got quiet because what if what they were worshiping was real. But if what they were worshiping, that would still mean that they had a religious practice where they had a belief, they had a faith. Well, well, once again, and they develop, if, if it, they develop a system to worship. It, you can touch it. What if these gods, Ra, you mm-hmm. know, Anubis, mm-hmm. uh, whatever they were, beings that were here? What if they? Then they would still have a religion. They would still have a faith to worship them. The well, the, the well, issue isn't for me. That the thing is, it's not about whether whether what they believed in. I'm not here to say like what they believed in was right or wrong. What I'm the main point I'm trying to say is that in order for if they had deities, then they had a religion. You don't necessarily have deities without having a religion, quote unquote, because the religion is your way of worshiping them. Well, if you believe in multiple or a gods, faith. if you believe in multiple mm-hmm. gods, can that really be a religion? Why like, can't isn't it? that something? Well, let, let's yeah. look that up. Because you're yeah. wor- you you have multiple gods, but some people selected one that they particularly prayed to, so then they would have a faith centered around that one god. I, like in Africa, I believe they call them the Orishra. You have different spiritual deities that govern certain aspects of the land. Someone, please correct me if I'm wrong. Polytheism. Yeah, well, polytheism is still a theism. It's no different than monotheism. Polytheism is the belief in multiple gods. Monotheism is the belief in one. But yet, and still, there's a faith behind both of them. Okay. And so, they, okay. if there's a faith behind them, there's probably morals that go around them. And the reason why I use the Egyptians and the well, we use the Greeks and Egypt. I went to the Egyptians as an example is because the Egyptians. No one, no society lives in perfect harmony with each other, but African people are very spiritual. And spiritual. Very right. spiritual people. We recognize that there's something greater than ourselves. Absolutely. And the Egyptians were, were, in my opinion, the first civilization on the planet, at least the, the most advanced one at that very time. So, so much so to the point that other nations or other people came and learned from them, i.e. Aristotle. But they created 
they're, they're, they created concepts of math and the pyramids to worship mm-hmm. their gods. And if they were worshiping their gods and they were living in harmony, they probably had a faith-based system that gave them morals to live by. So that that's, that's possible. What, that's, it's that's possible. We're yeah. speculating. So I'm going back to where I say that. Can you have your own morals? Yeah, I think that you can get a lot of them from faith. You don't necessarily. That's not the end all be all. But I think right. you can get right. a good chunk of them from a faith, a healthy faith. Because, you know, look, hey, I'm going to say it right now. If you worship in the devil, I don't want no parts of that. That does not sound healthy to me. Mm-hmm. That's on you. All right. You know, I don't want actually he's the devil is the opposite of what I want to deal with. Well, with everything having a good and bad end, I mean, what is the devil actually? Who is the devil? Well, based upon my faith in Christianity, uh-huh. the devil is the great uh, deceiver. He's actually here to destroy man and all man's relationships. He's here to conquer the world. He is jealous. He wanted to rule in God's stead, but instead he was cast down along with his fallen angels. I believe in the devil. I cannot not believe in the devil if I believe in God. It's, I think that people who don't believe in the devil are falling for that age old line of the devil's greatest trick was to convince the world that he didn't exist. Mm-hmm. For you to believe in God and not believe in the devil is setting yourself up for failure. Because God tries to prepare you to fight against the devil and will protect yourself against the devil because the devil even tempted Jesus. If he tempted Jesus, who are you to not be tempted by the devil? The devil is needed though, right? Do you need it? I would say that God is purposeful. So God allowed there to be a devil. Therefore, he viewed it as something that was needed for some reason. So could the, nobody take offense, but could the devil and God be the same? No, not at all. Person, personal reason is that the devil is nothing more than an angel, the Mm -hmm. fallen angel. He was the the most handsome angel there was. He wanted to be in God's place. Therefore, he is nothing more than an angel cast out of heaven with a group of angels. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, the devil is not the the opposite of God. His his fight is ultimately will be with the archangel Michael, Michael. in my mm-hmm. personal opinion. I don't think God necessarily has an equal mm-hmm. other than maybe his son, but that's it. I don't think the devil is equal to God, but he is the antithesis to the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And when you say his son, mm-hmm. Is his God's equal? Uh, is that the orthodox belief of of God? I don't know. I, I take it from the the concept of the Trinity. Okay. And now someone else can email me and correct me if I'm wrong, but I right. think that uh, God's ultimate plan is to create Jesus and put him in a position of high power, maybe even superseding himself, mm-hmm. because Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit are considered to be one and the same according to the Trinity. Therefore, if you look at that, basic, yeah. well, yeah, even if you look at that, the basic premise of that would be that God does, I guess, has, has an equal in the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that God has an evil, but you can debate that. It's yeah, Jesus. I, mean, if, debate, I don't study yeah. theology that much. I go right. to church, I talk to my pastor, and I read a lot of books about it. You found your medium. Yeah, I found my medium, man. Right. My medium is Jesus Christ all day. But I would love to get a Muslim person on here or a, or a Jewish person on here to talk shop, but I would be limited in what I could say because I'm not a minister or anything. Right. Maybe right. one day. I got you. Yeah, man. That was a was a good topic. Josh came on, talked, had a hard conversation about faith. You know, I don't necessarily take issue with anything that he said. I think that you can develop your morals on your own. Do you need faith to do it? No, you necessarily don't. I think that it is a great place to start. Um, That's about it. Do you need God in your marriage? I would say yes. 
He says no, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's an atheist listening right now. I don't got God in my marriage, and we doing good. Right. But I am. I would be remiss to not say that. Have you tried it though? There's a lot of good benefits that come from having God in your life. Yes, yes. What you need in your marriage is is, is understanding, communication, mm-hmm. and healthy sex. Yeah. Oh man, man, what? Man. And attraction. And attraction. Keep the attraction up. You got to. Yes, yes. And you can't go wrong. You cannot. And on that, we're going to end this episode. Thanks for coming around. We'll see you later on for another episode of BS Thoughts.